The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our, our beautiful scripture this morning is from Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born... Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, me, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 46, Mary's Song of Praise. Then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will, be, will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. To her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for reading that wonderful passage of scripture. And before going to the Lord um, and, and preaching his word, will you bow in a word of prayer as we, as Adriana just prayed, that we prepare our hearts to really listen and, and receive um, this word. Well, we just sung, Lord, that we will bless the Lord with all of our souls, that we will worship you forever. Not because we have everything in life going our way, not because we are living a pain-free, trouble-free life, but because of you, the God of our salvation, the God who sees us, the God who keeps us, the God who, who rescues us. Lord, we bless your name. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that even now as we prepare our hearts to um, um, listen to the preaching of your word, I truly pray, Holy Spirit, that you do what only you can, Lord. Help us to believe more. Help us to trust more. Help us to, to love more. 
to be transformed by your word. I pray this next these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen, amen. Um, um, so I have a simple word this morning, and that simple word is rejoice. I know we just read this, this, this scripture, and you may know that there are so many rich, deep theological things to, to, to talk about in the virgin's birth. But this morning, I apologize. I only have the simple word, and that word is rejoice. In 1988, when Michael Jackson was, um, was, was establishing his legacy to be the king of pop, came out of nowhere a little artist who with his, with his hit song took over the number one Billboard spot for only two weeks. This hit song was actually the first song to be an acapella to make the top 100 um, um, billboards. And not only did it make the top 100, it actually kicked Michael Jackson out the way and took number one for two weeks. The artist is named Bobby McFerrin. And you may have never heard of Bobby McFerrin, but I'm sure you have heard his song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And if you look on the screen with me, I have just a couple of lyrics that, that, that I want you to help me sing. Um, um, sing, y'all got my back? Y'all got my back? Are y'all ready? One. <laughs> in this life, we have some trouble. But when in doubt, hold on, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. And there's a little boy, I promise you, I used to sing this song almost every day because I had this, this singing fish toy that when you press the button, it actually sung this song. So when, so when middle school Sir G girlfriend broke up with him, he ran to his house. <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. When I got in trouble at school and knew I was going to get in more trouble when I got home, I would press that button. Don't worry. Be happy. And even though this song is a fun song, to sing, you may know, like I know and have come to experience, that there is some trouble in life that's just too painful to sing this song. In fact, there is some trouble that if somebody tell you, don't worry, be happy, you may actually punch them in the face. When, you're, when you have a sick child, hearing don't worry, be happy might not cut it. When you lost your job and literally don't know where the presents under the Christmas tree are going to come from, singing don't worry, be happy might not be the solution. In fact, I want to argue this morning that there is, that if there is sometimes literally impossible for us to just will ourselves to be happy. Especially in light of the holiday seasons, we have the Christmas tree. We, um, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Every time we, in every store we walk into, we, we're hearing all of these festive songs that, that telling us we are to be happy and full of joy. But this is your first holiday without your mother. Or maybe you can't be happy because every holiday just reminds you of how life isn't the same. 
In fact, it's impossible for you to be happy, um, and maybe it's even unloving for someone to tell you this just because of the true place and where you are. The pain and trouble is just too much to ignore. So when you are facing so much disappointment, constant letdown, breakup after breakup, bad report after report, constant migraines, unrelenting bosses, and an unrelenting workload, how can you and I rejoice? Uh, you may not know this, but Philippians, many scholars consider to be the book of joy. Because Paul, in 104 verses, used the word joy or rejoices 16 times. In, verse, in chapter 3, Paul actually said, um, Paul actually said, rejoice in the Lord to write the same thing to you is no trouble, but it's actually safe to you. And then he goes on to, to talk about something else. And then out of nowhere in chapter 4, he says, again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Have joy. Be filled with joy. And you may think that Paul is actually in a good place in life. He is on the beach, but in, in actuality, Paul is in a dingy, dusty, cold prison cell. Paul was in a miserable location and situation, but yet he was able to rejoice and have a joy-filled heart. Because Paul's joy was centered in the person, the presence, and the promise of God. Paul's joy wasn't based on his location, but his destination. That's what Deion Sanders said this week. It's not my location, it's my destination. And Paul teaches us in Philippians how to rejoice in spite of. Mary, too, the mother of Jesus. Many of us just think of her as the mother of Jesus, but Mary, too, is a teacher and Mary teaches us our main ideal this morning, and that simply is we are to rejoice in spite of because the person in presence of God. We can rejoice in spite of. You can fill in the blank. What comes after of? Whatever it is because of the person, the presence, and the promises of God. So looking at Luke chapter 1, we heard last week about God sending an angel to a priest by the name of Zechariah to give him a message of an unlikely birth. And Gabriel comes to little Zach and say, I know you are old, you are, um, and your wife has been barren, but your prayers have been answered. You are about to give birth to a son, and he's going to be great. And Gabriel leaves Judea and travels to a little small town in Nazareth and to speak with a teenage girl by the name of Mary. And there is nothing fascinating to know about Mary. Um, she doesn't come from wealth or riches. She doesn't come from a famous family name. She lives in a little old town called Nazareth. She don't even live in the cool city of Jerusalem. She lives in little old Nazareth. And to describe and to help you imagine what Nazareth is like, it's like when you go on a road trip and, you, and your GPS takes you through this little two-lane backway highway and, and the only gas station, the only thing that's in this city is a gas station that also serves as the local grocery store. This is what Nazareth is. And this is where Mary is living. And Gabriel comes to her and he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
And this leads us to our first reason on why we can rejoice. Reason number one, we rejoice. Why? Because God is with you. The majority of English translations um, um, translate verse 28 saying, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But when I looked at the original Greek, the word here is actually keros, which actually means rejoice. So when Gabriel appeared to Mary, he didn't say hello, greetings. He said, no, rejoice because the Lord God has favored you. His grace has come upon your life and the Lord God is with you. So no matter where you are, you are to rejoice right now. He's with you. And, and I began to think about what does it mean? Like, what, what does Gabriel mean when he says the Lord is with you, your favorite? We will all agree that, that Mary is favored because she's the chosen one, right, to, to give birth to the Savior of the world. And, and the Lord is literally with her because the Lord is literally, you know, on with her. As you get, get, get what I'm trying to say. I don't know the word. Um, but the Lord is, is with her. But but. And Mary is charged to watch over and protect the Lord as a baby. But I want to suggest to you that the Lord being with Mary speaks more to God's promise to watch over and protect her. Because Gabriel told Mary to rejoice, and in verse 46, Mary proclaimed, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. God has looked down and paid attention to little old me. He has done great things for me, she said. And in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. I need us to see that Mary doesn't rejoice that, that, that God has made her rich or made her famous throughout history. No, she rejoices in the fact that God saw her in her humble situation. She rejoices that, that even in the pain, God sees her need and God is with her even in her distress. I, I couldn't help but think about Joshua. Uh, you remember Joshua who was charged to lead millions of people who were stubborn and, and hard-headed after this great leader Moses passed away and, and, and he felt alone. He felt incapable of doing the job. But God showed up to him in Joshua 1 verse 9 and said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to protect you. I'm with you. And Joshua was able to rejoice, not because he was strong enough within him own self, not because every trouble he, he had disappeared, but no, he was able to rejoice because of who was with him. The God who name is love, power, and strength promised to be with his people. And just as the Lord favored Joshua and Mary and promised to be with them, so do you and I have that same favor and promise today. The Lord is with his children today. Um, to, to think about this, to, I, I was thinking about this all week, trying to think of the best way to illustrate this to, for you to get this picture. And I just couldn't think of 
um, um, just a, a perfect illustration. And I was talking to my mom just randomly, and I was talking to her about this. And I said, Mom, how are you able to tell someone to rejoice in God even when they're suffering? Like, how, how is God being with you enough? And she said, son, when, when your dad died, that, that changed our lives forever. She said, that, that shook us to our core. She said, you know, I almost went crazy. I, was, I, was, I felt like I was losing my mind. We was in a terrible situation in, in, in every aspect. But, 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 but she said, I continue to call on the name of the Lord. And she said, I was able to see that, like, look, looking back, I was able to see that we never went without. She said, you... You maybe didn't, didn't have the brand, the brand new Jordans that you wanted, but you still had two pair of shoes. She said, she said we never went without food. God was always our provider. And, and now, even looking back, son, she said, I'm able to rejoice because God kept me in my right mind. And she said, even now, as I look at you, son, you are a loving husband and a great father. I rejoice that even in the pain, God was with us. God kept us, and God has saw us through. I rejoice. She said, she said, no, I would never have asked for my husband to die or my kids to grow up. So we aren't ignoring the reality and the hurt that, that we still face. But even in the pain, I'm able to rejoice because of who God is and who and he's with us. So we rejoice because God is with us. And the second reason we rejoice is because God's kingdom is forever. Oh, my. After hearing this greeting, Mary was disturbed and frightened. Um, she was perplexed. That's my big word for the day. She was perplexed. And Gabriel, God's mighty angel, appeared to her and said these shocking words. And in verse 30, Gabriel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive him in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And look at this. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Here is the moment that Israel as a nation has been waiting for. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 7 that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And here is the fulfillment of this promise, Jesus, God with us, the moment we all have been waiting for. And Gabriel is expecting Mary to shout with joy and say hallelujah, but she scratches her head and says, hold on, man. Uh, hold on, Mr. Angel guy. Um, I'm a virgin. Um, you, you know it takes two to tangle. Um, what are you saying? And these very next words are that Gabriel gave are easy to just read by and keep going, but they are very significant to our faith. Because Gabriel said, hey, you right, my bad, I got ahead of myself, I got to tell you the full story. And, and, and he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, and, will, and God's hands will, will, will overshadow you and you will conceive. 
So Jesus was born of Mary, a woman, and of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, we can't just pass this, this, this fact. Because Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit means that Jesus does not have you and I sinful nature. See, if Jesus was born by Joseph, that means he will be born into sin just like me and you. And, and two, will be a sinful being, unable to represent mankind and, and be the lamb who, who sacrificed his life so that we could live. But Jesus dying of the, being born of the Holy Spirit means that, yes, he is both fully God and fully man, able to be the perfect atoning sacrifice for us. And, and that's good news, is that we have a Savior who is able to save us. But not only is that good news, but Jesus says that I, I'm your Savior and I will be great, but my kingdom is forever. Daniel chapter 2, um, verse 44, he says this about the Lord's kingdom. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people, but the Lord's kingdom shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but the Lord's kingdom will stand forever. God has a kingdom that would never be overrun or destroyed. His kingdom is built forever. Think about the security of this not having to worry, not having to fear, not having to live with, with anxiety, but the safety and the security of God's kingdom. Think about where you were on 9-11, if you are old enough. I asked about 10 people this same question this week. Where were you on 9-11? And, and what's fascinating about this, I asked about 10 different people who were, who were in different places of the country, but we all felt the exact same thing. We all felt this sense of, it was this, this sense of fear, this sense of panic. Even though I was in Memphis, thousands of miles from New York, I never touched New York, seen New York a day in my life. My entire school stopped at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we all was paralyzed with the sense of fear. And, and I've been thinking about that all week, and I was talking to people, and like, why were we so afraid? What is that feeling that, that we was really feeling? And I believe that, that we felt fear because we thought America was an untouchable, invincible country. And when that attack happened on our soil for the first time in our lives and in our lifetimes, we we're humbled and, and woken up to the fact that we aren't as invincible, as high and mighty as we thought we were. And what's fascinating, after that, after 9-11, our, our country has spent over $5.8 trillion on homeland security looking to protect our kingdom. And I'm glad that we have a nation where we can be free and, 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 and feel a sense of security. But as I began to think about this in verse, and what God's word says, it says that no matter what we try to do to build, to protect our kingdom, to protect our lives, every kingdom outside of God's kingdom is going to perish. So what 
does the joy and the security come from? We rejoice in that we don't have to put our hope in a failing, perishing kingdom, but we rejoice in that we have a kingdom that is untouchable, that is eternal, and that will reign forever. And think about who, who is invited to be a part of this kingdom. It says the house of Jacob. He will reign over the house of Jacob. And I learned um, um, listening to Pastor Reggie um, Sharp, a, a pastor in, in Chicago, he, he said all throughout Scripture, God is called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But if you remember, Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. And Israel is the name of the nation, and the people are called what? Israelites and not Jacobites. So why is he the God of Jacob and not the God of Israel? If you remember for a second who Jacob was, Jacob was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was a stealer. He, he was a backstabber. He was a trickster. He wasn't a man of good character. He wasn't a man by any standards worthy of being a part of God's kingdom. But for some reason, by the grace of God, did God meet Jacob where he was and transform his life and give him a new name and call him Israel. And I believe that Jesus reigning over Jacob's house is a reminder of who can be a part of his kingdom. Jacob was a no-good backstabber, but yet because of God's grace and favor, he was allowed access. And I want to tell you this morning that God's kingdom is for you. You may be sitting in your seat right now thinking, if you only knew what I have done, my own family have, have this on me, how can God love me? I want to tell you that God's kingdom is for Jacob's. His kingdom isn't for those who have it all together. His kingdom is for those stuck in their sin, for those plagued by their sin, for those plagued by their past. His kingdom is for the humble who says, I need you, God. He is the king of Jacob, and his kingdom reigns forever. So we rejoice because he's with us. We rejoice because his kingdom is forever. And finally, we, we rejoice because God gives you the strength that you need to face today's trouble. Rejoice. Um, we titled this series, Eager Expectation, Hope, and Awaiting. And we titled um, this knowing that Advent is the time when we celebrate and rejoice that the wait is over because Jesus has come. The child has been born. But, but Advent is also the time when we are reminded that we are still waiting for our Savior to come and call us into this forever kingdom. Advent is the time where we are reminded where we are just still struggling to hold on, still waiting for racism to end, still waiting to stop being disappointed by those voted into office, still waiting for the family drama to end. And many of us are just waiting to get our hope and our joy back. But Mary teaches us to rejoice even in our waiting because God gives us the strength that we need to wait. 
after Gabriel told her all these things, look at what Mary said. She said some very teachable words. In verse 38, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, I am a servant of the Lord. My life is the Lord. I trust in the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Let me try to give you all the full picture of, of what Mary is really saying right now. She knows that she is engaged to a man by the name of Joseph and and, and Gabriel gives her these, this news that many of us will call troubling. If, if, if my fiance, if Jay came to me when I just gave her a ring and said, and said I'm pregnant, um, I, I probably would have asked for my ring back. And this is what Mary is getting ready to possibly face and endure her marriage being ended, her engagement being ended. And on top of that, if that's not enough, she is getting ready to face criticism, the rebuke, those piercing words of, of being called all types of names by the people in the community. Now she is an outsider because of this pregnancy, this out of wedlock. And if that's not painful enough, on top of that, Deuteronomy 22 actually says that if an engaged woman lies down with a man, she is to be him, he and that woman is to be stoned. So we don't know for sure what Mary was thinking, but based off all of the facts, we know that she in herself knew the danger, the potential of losing her Joseph, losing her reputation, and, and maybe losing her life. But yet she said, Will I trust you, God? I may lose everything. I may lose my friends. I may lose my reputation. But, Lord, I rejoice in you because you are my Savior. You are my keeping God. She was able to rejoice because her eyes weren't on the world, but her eyes were on him. And, again, I, I want to say that setting our eyes on God doesn't eliminate the problems or the hurt or the, or, the, or the disappointment that we will face in this life. It doesn't mean that there won't be tears cried or tragedy happen. But in the midst of the tears, in the midst of the tears, we can say what Job said after he suffered what he suffered. Even though you slay me, I still trust you, God. Job lost his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. So how did he have the nerve to say, God, I will trust you. I will still rejoice because, God, because Job's joy wasn't found in his circumstances, but his, his joy was found again in the person and the promise and the presence of who God is. I'm done with my sermon. I'm done. But I'm looking at some of y'all faces and some of y'all are looking like y'all still don't have a reason to rejoice. So before I sit down, if you let me, I just want to give you a couple of reasons to rejoice. If the Lord is the God of your salvation, rejoice. If he is the forgiver of your sins, rejoice. If he woke you up this morning and allowed you to see another day, you have every reason to rejoice. If you aren't worried about where your next meal is going to come from, you know what to do. Rejoice. 
If he kept you in that dark place when you doubt about or even tried to take your life, but he allowed you to see another day, rejoice. Those reasons aren't good enough. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is sufficient. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one who was and is and is to come. He's the one who, who loves the unlovable, who, who heals the sick. He's a father to the fatherless. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 just for one sheep. He is that God. He is the creator of this universe. He is the one who loves you, who when you want to give up, this is who Jesus is. So we have every reason to rejoice. <laughs> rejoice in spite of. Rejoice in spite of because he is with you. And look ahead to that kingdom that will never perish, that kingdom that will never end. Rejoice. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for that simple fact that, that you reign, God. Lord, we can sing all day you reign, and that will be enough because you reign, God. You are high and lifted up, the creator of this world. Nothing happens without your permission. Nothing happens without your knowledge. And Lord, so many times we do ask the question, why am I going through this? Why haven't you healed me yet? Why haven't you fixed this, Lord? And we don't know the answer, but Lord, you tell us in spite of to rejoice. We may walk with a limp for the rest of our lives, but Lord, we walk with you beside us. So Lord, let your presence, your promises, and your character to be enough for us today. I pray this prayer next these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Third time a charm, amen, amen. Receive the Lord's benediction, which comes from Romans 8, 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be blessed, downtown church. Amen.